not always you know mm -hmm. it's it's not linear it makes for it makes for a pretty story to make it linear um i have yet to meet but, a single successful person that was always successful it's like oh it just went this and it just went up and kept yeah. going up forever that only happens at chamber of commerce meetings <laughs> don't get me started on chambers of commerce i can't actually, all their businesses I, are going fantastic so uh <laughs> it was actually a chamber of commerce meeting which i'll get to that but it was actually a chamber of commerce meeting that gave me the big aha moment this year that was like i can't do this so here's the big question have you ever been so financially frustrated from years of poor financial decisions only to wonder why didn't they teach me in school anything about how to manage money i've spent the last 20 years learning the secrets to how money really works and how to use it to get financially free on a goal to retire early i've realized how much of an impact we could have on the world by teaching financial literacy entrepreneurship and a successful mindset Join me as I interview some of the world's most successful business owners, coaches, and parents to get them to share their secrets on how you can not only learn, but teach these lessons to your kids to become financially free and impact your children's financial trajectory so they can avoid the frustration and go on to do great things. I'm Cody Laughlin, and this is the Money Talkers Podcast. Welcome back to Money Talkers with your host, Cody Laughlin. I have Sarah Dawn here with me today. She is an entrepreneur, an attorney, and host of Nothing's Serious Podcast that leads entrepreneurs to create a lifestyle they love while pursuing professional success. Sarah has experienced business success and burnout and used those experiences to forge a path of growth and per personal fulfillment. She has helped hundreds of entrepreneurs and professionals create the business and life of their dreams. And with the pandemic changing everyone's worldview, Sarah has decided to step away from client work for a season, staying rooted in integrity, setting boundaries, and pivoting her work to serve a life of clarity and happiness. And so I'm excited to talk about this because it's a personal favorite subject of mine. But with that, welcome to the show, Sarah. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Cody. Well, I want to ask a question right out of the gate for you. What made you decide this? Because usually when I find that someone else has kind of said, okay, like, enough is enough. I need to slow down. And there's a way to do this a little, there's a different way to do things other than full hustle grind mode uh, yeah. for everybody. And so what was the, what was the catalyst for you? So I'd been down this road before <laughs> and I am really proud of myself to say, I saw the signs early. And, you know, if I was rinse and repeating my legal career, I saw the signs seven or eight years early and mm. said, Oh, hold on. I know where this goes. <laughs> so in my legal career, I, um, you know, I feel like I even have to go back a little bit before that is well, all the way before that is I grew up really, really poor. So when we're talking money and learning about money and success and how we want to create the career and life that we want, I didn't all we like bottom line was like, do we have food this week? Mm. Is the electric going to get turned off on us this week? And even as a little girl, I looked at that and was like, uh, uh, no, not for me, but I didn't have anybody to talk to or look at on how to do things differently. 
And do you remember those being stressful in that part of your money story? Like, do you remember that? Was it stressful in the household around those subjects? Oh yeah. Yeah. And as it tends to, it, it led to other problems. It led to substance abuse within my household. It led to violence within my household. So it's rarely just limited to oopsies, no food on the table this week. Let's sing and dance in a circle instead. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, no, it, it was ugly. Um, and that was definitely also part of my young reflection of this is not for me. I'm not repeating this. And I would look at my friends' families and how their dynamic was and the things that they could do. The the things that were in my mind as a little girl on what rich people had is really funny. Like to me, rich people could buy food at the mall. Like mall food court was... <laughs> Those people had money. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I'll eat some Chinese mall food all day long. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that ability to just like say yes to that financially was a big thing. So when we talk about the financial conversations we have in our household, all they ever were in my household was there isn't any money. Money doesn't exist yeah. in our household. And, you know, I kind of had my site said on what are the things what can I be they asked that question you know what do you want to be when you grow up I want to be somebody that can buy Chinese mall food <laughs> I want to drive a Toyota like those rich kids <laughs> you had uh, you had your why early <laughs> I had, yeah yeah and I learned you know definitely with bumps I was every definition of troubled youth I had problems as a self-parented teenager but as soon as I was old enough to work, I saw the more hours I put in, you know, you're 15, 16, it's all dollars per hour. And I think it was like $6 per hour. But the more hours I put in, the harder I worked, the more I worked, the more I could have a little taste of the things that I wanted in my life. And I would easily be working, you know, 16, 17 years old, I would easily be working three jobs. I got myself in a program in my school that instead of having elective classes, I could leave and go to work. And that worked for me. And I was just on repeat mode. I now had a definition on how you make money. And I, I wish that wasn't my definition. I wish I had learned about some of the things that I know you've shared. You've learned, you learned about young, but mine was hours and hard work. And I did that. I worked and put myself through college. I put myself through law school. I decided I wanted to be an attorney. Surely attorneys could drive Toyotas and eat Chinese mall food. <laughs> well, those are the only two options when people ask you what you want to be when you grow up when you're a kid. They're like, doctor you want to be a, a doctor or a lawyer, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Dang it. <laughs> I heard it described as like, the. I was like, I, I have now, like, you, I remember like being a kid, like, I didn't even, I don't think I could have named 10 jobs. You know, people would always ask right. me, that, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'm like, I heard someone describe it as anything you can order on Amazon. Like, you could be like those things, like a cop, a fireman, a <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> like a yeah. And I've, as an adult, I've reflected on that. A, a running joke in our household is my husband and I are total nerds for like, I don't know, Bigfoot shows, ancient aliens on the History Channel. Like, we will watch that stuff all day long. And you'll see these experts come on and, you know, 
talk about the subject matter and it'll be something like a cryptozoologist. I'm like, how the heck did I not know a cryptozoologist <laughs> was a thing? <laughs> Apparently those are people that study animals that have never been discovered. That sounds phenomenal. Why didn't I know? I bet they drive Toyotas too. I bet they get that mall food. But uh, <laughs> I do have to um, share, I don't have a Toyota. I have a Jeep, but well, you know. Are you stepping it up? Wow, <laughs> big time. <laughs> uh, they, uh, I, it's just funny, the, the reflection of that. And I kind of want to just break for a second, but like, you know, I love the fact that you have recognized these, these chapters. You know, I like to call it a money story, right? Like, yeah. Because we're all to whatever page we're to in our life. And there are influences, and and I feel like a lot of people look back and go, "Well, I it wasn't fair to me because I had this or I had that." I'm like, mm -hmm. it's just part of the story, you know. Yeah. You can't, you can't. Yeah. You, but the the recognition of it means that you can decide what you want the next chapters to be, right? Right. And so it's really kind of neat to hear you reflect on like where your drive came from, which was I didn't want to be in this situation anymore. I didn't like the arguments in the household, so I learned the more I worked, the more I got. And then, you know, you move through to get to the, to get to the professional level to achieve that. And then, you know, I kind of want to see where you end up on the, on the flip side of it, because it sounds like you took the pen for your story. Yeah. Yeah, I did. And not always, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's not linear. It makes for, it makes for a pretty story to make it linear. Um, I have yet to meet but... a single successful person that was always successful. It's like, oh, it just went this and it just went up and kept yeah. going up forever. That only happens at Chamber of Commerce meetings. <laughs> Don't get me started on Chambers of Commerce. I can't. Actually, All their businesses I, are going fantastic. So uh... <laughs> It was actually a Chamber of Commerce meeting, which I'll get to that, but it was actually a Chamber of Commerce meeting that gave me the big aha moment this year that was like, I can't do this. <laughs> I don't want to do this right. I don't want to be around this. No. But you know, chambers of commerce are actually very valuable. It's half halfway joking. Um, but yeah, it was that hard work that pick somebody who makes money, doctor or lawyer. Okay, go with the lawyer because I can't do bodily fluids. Blood is fine, the rest of them. Even oh, with no. my kids, my husband was the diaper changer, so doctor wasn't gonna work out for me. <laughs> and law school really encourages the hustle and grind. You know, that library is open 24 seven. They intentionally set assignments that we all have the same assignment. We all need the same five books and the first person and the, or the last person in the library is the one that gets access to the book that you can really? do the assignment. They intentionally pit us against each other. Every grade is a bell curve. So it actually doesn't matter if you pass, it just matters how much better you did than the next person. And it's a funny little psychological game in there, you know, thinking back. Why do you we think had to, why do you think they yeah. why do you, why do you think they make it so cutthroat that it's not to get to the right answer, it's to beat the other guy? Is that because I, mean, um, I mean the law is a little bit like that, you know, as far yeah. as in the civil side of things. Like, it's not really about being right half the time. It's about beating the other guy at the game. Yeah. Which is, um, which is asininely painful for a business owner. It's infuriating. <laughs> I, I mean, I would watch in, in the short time I did litigation, which isn't, wasn't long. Um, I watched people 
that were a hundred percent legally right. No questions asked, but because they didn't have, you know, because my client didn't have the same resources as the big business because they weren't as articulate as a witness because they were nervous as a witness. They weren't used to being sued or suing all the time. They would go bankrupt after being wronged because the other side could just play the game better. I will say this though. I did learn some lessons in there that it's better to be done than right on those situations because you're eating, you're doing, it's a double cause, right? So like you have to disassociate your emotions from the situation and it's a powerful lesson in there. Uh, I was in an industry that uh, has quite a bit of litigation in it just in, in intrinsically because it was in RVs and RVs are man-made built with the cheapest materials they can coming off assembly lines that they don't even quality check most of them. And then there's a weird manufacturer, dealer, buyer, bank relationship thing that goes around. Yeah. And so it just has a lot of that. So I had to learn some pretty quick lessons to find a quick answer and disassociate yourself from the emotionality of whether you're right or wrong in business. A lot of times it's got to make the best decision possible. No, it doesn't yeah. matter. You have to let it go because in the beginning I didn't, and it was like, keep you up at night. And then like, this isn't fair. And like, it doesn't matter at the end of the day, it just yeah. have to get, but it also would eat your time. All right. Yeah. So the more, more brain space you put up here, the less you were generating revenues and business and doing things while doing paperwork research to save a few hundred bucks by, you know, it, it was just a, a lot of lessons were built into that for me. Yeah. My old law partner and I would call that expensive money. You're chasing expensive money because mm -hmm. exactly like you just described, and we would have so many of these conversations in our law practice is sure we can chase after this thing that's right. Or that, that somebody else told us will be the most successful thing to do, or, you know, any, any subject matter that you can try to be super altruistic about it. But the bottom line is you're burning yourself out and you're not going, you're zapped. Yeah. You know, you, you spiral in that subject matter, you're zapped probably for a few days. And so you haven't just lost the five hours you spent spiraling in that. You've probably lost the whole week of going out and doing things that will actually make your business more money. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You're not generating, you're just, you're playing defense. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, um, it's an it's odd subject. Money. Yeah. It's a, it is an expensive money. It's, and it's, uh, you know, in the employment side of it, it's actually, um, like if, a, if an employee is leaving, they're super incentivized to see you. Yeah. <laughs> There's no money out of pocket for them. And then in the, yeah. the, the attorney, if they win $1 has all their attorney's fees paid. So what do they do? They go as long and stretched out as they possibly can. Mm -hmm. And so it's a, you know, it's, it's a real dance. It was a lot of lessons in there. Um, yet another thing we don't teach about, you know, with our schools, I don't know if that's, you know, a, a, an early school type of situation, but you know, if we're going to have entrepreneurial classes, that needs to be part of the subject matter oh, yeah. um, because it becomes, it can become part of life for you. If you are, it's a, it's a small business killer. Yeah, it is. And I will say it's, such a huge problem and we're seeing it in even though it's never been my specialty we definitely see it in the um trademark and patent space where it doesn't matter if the little guy has used this name and it's been his business forever some big guy comes in wants to use it wants to rename their major social media platform <laughs> <laughs> and now everybody else you know 
it doesn't matter what you've done. And people aren't taught how to protect their businesses. I, I quit being in litigation because I had no interest in that game. Yeah. It, it wasn't about who was right. It wasn't about who was legally right. It was about, like you said, who could play the game and throw the most money at it. And I, I wanted no part of that. If I couldn't actually anticipate based on this education and based on the law, if I couldn't actually anticipate an outcome, like, I don't, I don't want to play that game. I'm not. It'd be like starting it. a monopoly game and I get all the 500s and you get all the ones. Yeah. You're not going to win. I don't care how many, how long we play, how good you are at monopoly. You're not going to beat me if I've got $20,000 and you have 200 and we yeah. start the game, you're done. Yeah. It's and not, you can it's look a, at me all day long and be like, I'm playing by the rules. Look, yeah. the rules are right there. I didn't break any rules. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm going to flip the board and be like, screw you. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not into it. Exactly. You know, and just, and then, but I guess, uh, I guess then when I see that and I see that kind of piece where say, okay, well, uh, when I see challenges in the world, like I try to think of what that provides on solutions in the world, right? And so yeah. if the people are, are, are listening to this and getting down on what we're talking about, it's not really, <laughs> like, oh, well, yeah, no, you never start a business again, but no, but, um, but you, you really have to really kind of spend some time to, to self-educate. And that's what I think is available yeah. more today than at any time in, in the world. And you kind of, I kind of talked about a little bit offline about our kids and, you know, your son was trying to use me as an example of why he didn't have to go to school, but uh, <laughs> it's definitely not what I'm saying. Um, but what I, what I would say though, is that I find that post-secondary school, unless there's a goal to get to on the end is by far less needed than it ever has been because we, 20 years ago, you had to learn things from somewhere so that you could know them. And today they're in your hand. Yeah, you can right? learn. And and for very, um, very affordable, not, not oh. even touching, you know, platforms like Udemy and Coursera and YouTube. YouTube. Hey, I'm a, I'm, I go to YouTube University all the time. Um, I am a fan. I can fix <laughs> anything. But that's exactly, I've tried anyway. But, uh, and so, but I, I find that like that diminishes the use a lot of times of, of our post-secondary schools because they have that but also as you you and i kind of talked about it's it's an it's an enrichment to what we have for, as a basis yeah and that creates opportunity because you know um if you are adding to this and you're seeking knowledge you're already going to outpace like 90 percent of people yeah. yeah you know and that's where like leverage comes from and that's kind of what you were talking about like how you kind of had this switch like I have personally tried to figure out ways to do them without adding things to my plate, trying to think about a smart way to do it. And the best way for me that I found is I find someone else that already figured it out. Yeah. You know? And that's where, and I love that you mentioned it that way, because I think we need to just keep, you know, soak it up, learn something new every week, watch, you know, a course or a, an educational piece or just get curious about what interests you and stay true to yourself, stay in your zone. I have to say when I was working with other businesses and educating myself, you know, I had educated myself by owning my own business and by having my own practice and I was, had employees and did all of that. And then I was curious, okay, well, you know, I know how I did it. How do other people do it? And 
I, to an extent, maybe took it a little too far because I found myself following other people's formulas. And that's where my reflection came back and was like, you know, I thought this year as I was, had strongly minimized my attorney role and I was really getting excited and having fun guiding other businesses and helping people grow their businesses. And I had a really fun and awesome track record. My husband loved it because by working in other people's businesses, I wasn't trying to start a new one every week. I kind of like could live vicariously through them. I have that bug. Sometimes my wife just looks at me like, you want a what? <laughs> I have something that comes up at least every day or two that I'm like, hey, I'm thinking about doing it. She's like, yeah. I actually for Halloween I went to a Halloween party and created like a really nice charcuterie board for it and I, I watched a YouTube video and it, it was just fun for me and I put it together and I brought it and the host of the party was like where did you get this this is so pretty I was like oh I made it and she was like you know people do that as a business and my husband was like don't use that word with her <laughs> exactly and I was like don't worry I'm not going to start a business that requires me to manually turn sausage into roses like well <laughs> i was driving we, our neighborhood uh is really kind of cool you can drive golf carts in here and um oh, nice. it's a bit yeah we have a big downtown neighborhood and uh you can drive golf carts around but i was literally looking at it and i was like there's i mean there's golly i don't even know hundreds and hundreds in here and uh i was like man you could make golf cart costumes because i saw these dogs walking around i'm like i'm like golf cart costumes i bet nobody has that, that <laughs> I'm just, be... yeah i'm like what am i doing no i'm not what sewing. am i doing no yeah. we're not making <laughs> honey can we get a sewing machine <laughs> i was like maybe i'll go on fiverr see if there's somebody that can make this yeah, somebody me. else that'll <laughs> knock those out outsource some golf cart costumes so um <laughs> oh, yeah I think of those kind of things I mean on the way to the gym yesterday I, I'm gonna like give my ideas away but it'll it'll be okay if somebody else executes it before I do that's what happened but I was like what about a tent leveler like you put a tent on a hill and you're rolling down all night like we're big outdoorsy people I'm like I need some kind of like tent leveler and like my it. husband has an engineering background so he's like <laughs> I don't know. I was like, you don't get to say no in the five minute drive to the gym. We've got to figure this out. <laughs> I'm always on my, my wife's case. I'm like, you're just not, you're not getting into this with me. She's like, no, I'm not. And she's like, you are right. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> not at all. So, but that's and actually part that of it in the, in the traction book there, where I was talking about earlier, like there's a, um, the integrator is the one that like puts the businesses together and then there's an idea person and then like nine mm -hmm. out of the 10 ideas you come up with are terrible but like the one you hit these home runs you know yeah. and so you gotta you can't turn that off you know yeah you can't decide that you're not it, oh well that idea didn't work or i you know concluding you have dumb ideas because the first 10 no like if you talk to the really amazing innovators it didn't work out most of the time. Oh yeah. Yeah. I would agree a hundred percent. So let me, let me shift with you a little bit on this and ask you, um, as you, so when you've been into all these businesses, cause the part I didn't tell you earlier was that when I went completely upside down, broke in the hole, you know, all that, I became a commercial banker in the middle okay. of this. Right. So, because I thought about it and I thought, okay, where who's how could I find out how these people are running businesses like who would give me their financials who would tell me all about what they do like and I'm like you would tell a banker that and so I just became a banker that was my drive like that I went 
full 1000% speed into becoming a banker. I got a job I shouldn't have got. And because I wouldn't take no for an answer. And so like, as you go into all of these businesses and you're helping them fix these things and do these things and try to create more lifestyle for them. Um, what are some of the patterns that you see that people get trapped into that you have been able to unlock for them or their aha moments? Yeah. Two major themes that I saw repeat over and over and over again would be narrow definitions. Well, in my business, that? you know, saying, well, in my business, you just simply can't, you know, fill in the blank. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, one of my clients was a fitness coach and it was by every stretch of the imagination, a personal brand, not a business she could sell and, you know, step away from, like we were talking about having all the, you know, value of your business. Her business is self-named, her own personal name. But because of that, and because people came to her, she had a definition in her mind that she could never have other people client facing working with her. So she was definitely limited to the number of clients she could ever have. And that meant she was definitely capped on how much money her business could make because she could never hire other people to be client facing. And it's those kind of definitions of, well, this is how we're structured and this is what the customer's like. So it means I could never, and business owners have a whole list of the things that they could never do. Yeah. I know them as limited beliefs. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And self-limit, self-limiting beliefs. That's what I've always, that's what I've, I've come to know them as. And I, and I couldn't agree with you more. Like uh, my, my favorite question that I always is why. Right. And then they, if they can get to a second layer of why a lot of times we're like, well, I don't really know, you know, and it's like, yeah. all right. So, you and know, what would happen if you just decided that wasn't true? Like, uh, how would that play out? You know, What's I usually kind of mind- nice about not being in their industry is, is actually because you go into other and you're like, you, you don't have the same limiting beliefs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's all, you know, it's always, well, you don't understand my business is different. Well, of course it is. Or my industry is different. Of course it is. There's going to be a thousand things that are unique to your industry. And no, it isn't. <laughs> it's a business. You sell a product or service or idea. People or businesses pay for it. You hope that it's profitable at the end. Like it's, it's a lot easier. It's a lot more simple. Um, another example that I think of was actually a tattoo artist that, you know, same thing, like I am performing an art, I am limited to the number of hours. And I said, okay, well, you know, one of the easiest ways to scale that would be teach other people. Oh, well, no, in the tattoo business, you, you don't just teach people to give tattoos, they have to do an apprenticeship. And the, you know, you would never have more than one apprentice and they're with you for like a year. So that's not really scalable. It's like, oh, is that like the law or regulation? No, tattoos aren't regulated in our state. Why do you have to do it that way? What would happen if you said, hey, 20 people can come in the studio this Saturday for 500 bucks a head and I'm going to order some pig skins and teach you how to tattoo on them? Like, no there's no regulation. There's no law that says that you can't do that other than, oh, our industry's just set up that you only do apprenticeship. 
Yeah, I mean, when you said the uh, personal trainer, I immediately thought, well, is she selling products with her name on it? If she's got that level of a following, does she doing affiliate marketing? Does she got, can she do a Zoom call with a class of 50 people around yeah. the world? Because I just watched Tony Robbins talk to 2 million people. Yeah, and he's, exactly. a, he's, a, he's a guy that does arenas. Like, you know, yeah. it can, it, yeah. And that's- And it's being willing to decide that the way you've always done it or the way mm -hmm. somebody else has always done it isn't the only right way. So my favorite saying as I walked around when I had all those employees, I'd walk up and say, hey, what's the biggest headache you have? And they're like, well, this, because they always knew something always bothered them. And I, said, well, <laughs> it's not I, and I go, why do we do it that? Why do you do it that way? I don't know. That's the way we've always done it. Immediately, the hair in the back of my neck would go up. And yeah. I'm like, so we're all just agreeing to do it this dumb way and not explore any other ways to do it. <laughs> you know and it was on me too because i was like i never even questioned you know why you would do the things that way and like i just randomly walking around doing those kinds of things and to ask those questions and to take down the uh the status quo in your business is not an easy skill to learn but it's very yeah. valuable yeah i think a and lot of the uh unleveraged grind comes from that for sure <laughs> you know and the more people whether you're the head of the company or it's the people working for you, the more people are doing things outside of their nature, outside of their zone of genius, outside of the curious, creative ways that, you know, the infinite possibilities, it's more efforted. So that's also expensive money. Even if they're making money for you, if they're doing it in a more efforted way, in the dumb way that gives them a headache that every 15 minutes they're sitting there, you know, even complaining in their own head of, oh my gosh, this is so dumb. Why would we do this this way? You're losing money. Yeah. Innovation and curiosity and creativity makes you more money, but you see so many businesses and business owners in that traditionalist mindset that says the way it's always been done is right. How many times and, you hear, well, we've done it, we've done it this way for 30 years. 30 years is like that magic number that makes things right. You know, anything else changed in the last 30 years? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's terrifying. That sounds awful. <laughs> anything else going on in the world and 30 years ago and 1990, you know, like, I don't know, yeah. cell phones or, you know, yeah. like internet people really or pride themselves in technology. that. And that goes back to what you were saying about how many businesses don't have themselves legally protected and legally set up where they are, you know, as safe as possible. It's also, you would, you would, well, you wouldn't be surprised. I was going to, I was trying to like build up how surprised you would be <laughs> <laughs> at how many very established, very successful businesses bringing in millions and millions and millions of dollars do not have even the most basic legal structure. How many multi-million businesses I see operating as a DBA huh. or my CPA set up my legal entity, which means it's fine in the IRS's eyes, but the IRS is not going to show up and defend you when somebody's suing you and none of the rest of your legal entity has documents or, you know, structure to it. What did my attorney say? Cause I asked her, because I've, I've had 15 LLCs and I have, I pay an attorney to do it, even though I know I can do it for a hundred dollars myself on, on my website. And That's she said, money. She, let her do yeah, it. Exactly. She said, I'm charging you this much amount of money because they will not be able to pierce the corporate veil. Yep. That's the term. And I said, I don't want to be pierced through the corporate veil. And she goes, no, you do not. 
I got the you best attorney ever. I, I, I love my attorney. She's 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 a straightforward, straight talking, hard talking New Yorker that just she's awesome. So she was like, "You do not want to be pierced," and I'm like, "You do not." All right. She goes, "Pay the money," and I go, "Okay." Yeah. <laughs> and then and then that's but that is I learned like I said earlier, earlier like I learned it, an ounce of prevention. Right? It was saying that ounce prevention prevents a pound of uh uh um, golly I can't mess with the thing up worse than that i haven't heard it but yes (laughs) no but it's like uh it's like not getting a uh, an oil change right like what happens to your engine (laughs) you know it's gonna blow up and it's gonna cost you tens and thousands of dollars to fix or it could have cost you the 40 dollar oil change every 300 miles over you know three thousand miles like same kind of thing if you do that prevention piece with your businesses it really doesn't hurt on the other side of it but if you ever get to the other side of it and you don't have it set up right it can be very painful. And so it's so painful. And, and I mean, you know, for anybody listening, that's like Pierce corporate veil, what is that? Very simple definition is it means your company doesn't exist as a legal entity. So if somebody sues your company, they're also suing you personally. So say you have 15 LLCs and one of them has a legal liability, but there's no corporate veil across the board. That means your personal assets can be gone after. That means the assets of those other entities that aren't properly set up can be gone after instead of just limiting that liability to that one company that's being sued. So that's really scary. You've worked your butt off your whole life and you have toys and fun things and, you know, the lifestyle that you want and the finances for it. Well, that could all go away um, in one lawsuit. So don't do that. That's what I know. (laughs) And I feel like this, oh, go ahead. uh, I was just gonna say, I find that, you know, that's why you don't try to get a Groupon attorney, you know, spend the, spend the money on a good attorney, get a good insurance person, get a good banker and, uh, um, get a good CPA. They don't cost a lot. They cost a lot when you don't. Yeah. It's, it's so much more expensive. And that's where like an IP an intellectual property attorney will tell you, you know, the people that get your trademarks and copyrights for you that yes, it's a couple grand to set up each trademark, but it's more than that, just to respond to one letter telling Mm -hmm. you not to use a name that you're using. (laughs) And I feel like all of this kind of falls in the same theme of, you know, you of just kind of like taking care of yourself, taking care of yourself, taking care of your business and being willing to be curious and question everything, really everything. And that's how you let your financial situation expand. That's how your financial situation can expand and get better and grow while you're not still working 70, 80 hours a week. Well, again, that goes right back to what you're talking about, though. If you're working 70 or 80 hours a week, you're probably not doing it right either because you're not taking that time to put that, you know, you're not doing that. You're not servicing the engine that's driving all the revenues. Yeah. Right. You're not out there taking care of your mind and your body. Then you're not going to be able to last and your engine's going to blow up. Yeah. That's not a sustainable business. You're not serving. You're not serving your business by doing that. And that was the hard lesson I had to learn my first round is because I found myself as, you know, this poor girl from Tulsa, Oklahoma, now in these rooms with trust fund kids, you know, they weren't kids anymore, adults, but trust fund humans. And 
other people that had made it. And I subconsciously felt like I had to prove my worth by working harder. That's this limiting belief. Yeah. <laughs> that was it on your side. So we all have them. You know what I mean? It's always there. There's a self-doubt and a piece like that. But um, uh, we've got to wrap it up here. But uh, Sarah, I want to ask you, um, you know, first of all, I want to say thank you for coming on Money Talkers with me. And I've really enjoyed the conversation. Um, and then second of all, uh, who should come find you and where do they find you at? Um, any entrepreneurs, people, creatives that are like, Hey, I want that. I'm, I'm catching myself working way harder than I want to. And I'm curious on how to get that lifestyle piece of success, that personal piece of success. Come listen to me. My website's my hub for everything. And it is the saradon.com. And my podcast is Nothing's Serious. And you can find that on anywhere that you listen to podcasts. So I want to add one thing about that. If you are able to step out of your business because you're forcing it to be able to run on less of your own time, you are doing the one thing that will make your business more valuable than anything else. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. That's the one thing people don't realize. It's the one asset that you control the value of that you have the most control over the value. And two, it's also the fastest path to wealth. So if you can think about how to run a business without yourself, you have an asset you have now doubled at least in value. At least. At yeah. least. Because if someone can buy it and not have to run it, they're not buying a job, then they become it because the 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 in the, the asset becomes tremendously more valuable. So yeah. stop calling your business your baby. It's not your offspring. <laughs> exactly. it's, a, it's an asset. That's it. If you look at it that way, if I can get out of here and I can run this without me, then I can sell this thing for way more than it's worth. Way more than not way more. It's way worth. more. It's way, it becomes worth way more than it was when you're, yeah. when you're the job. So awesome. Well, thank you, Sarah. I appreciate it very much. And then we're going to hop on to do the uh, high impact series. So you have to come back and check that out. Uh, if you're listening, make sure you know that you have these conversations. You start to think about these things and introduce them as young as you can to your kids. Uh, it only going to have a good, it's only going to have a good impact. And so, yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of money talkers with me, your host, Cody Laughlin. If you found this episode helpful in your pursuit of financial dominance, it really helps if you make sure to leave a five-star rating and share it with your friends or family members who could use good financial information and entrepreneurial success tips. I invite you to join the money talkers community Facebook group. Open Facebook and search for Money Talkers to join today. Follow us on Instagram at The Money Talkers for inspirational mindset posts, encouragement, and investing tips. And remember, the one thing you can do to change your kids' financial future is to start talking about money with them because you are a money talker.